Welcome to episode 49. In this one, I want to share a little bit of my story and the recovery route that I took. And I'm going to share a little bit more over the next few weeks leading up to the birthday edition of the podcast, which I think is probably going to be something like the 4th of April. I was listening to Mario Martinez recently. I think it might have been from his podcast. And he was saying that unless you are at the point, or this is how I've heard it, at the point where you've come to terms that this relationship is over, you shouldn't actually leave as by leaving it will turn you crazy. I want to share a bit of my story about my crazy experience and the wounds and the people that were controlling my life. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of Emotional Abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening. I will help you find the best habits as you start to take back the control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level, becoming the best version of yourself. I've got some really exciting stuff going on that's going to be happening over the next couple of weeks, months. I've got my book, which is with the designer at the moment, having the final tweaks done. I'm just waiting for the other designer to get involved with the cover, but he can't do that until we've got a page count. And I've got some other stuff that I'm going to be launching. I'm hoping in April. And I thought, do you know what? This might be a time to share a bit more of my story. I don't really share very much of it. I have experienced mindfuckery close up and personal. It wasn't pleasant or pretty. It was actually rather snotty. There was a lot of brain foggy stuff going on. I experienced a lot of emotions that I had never experienced before. They were completely foreign to me. I was caught off guard and my mind was fucked truly in every way. I was on the floor. I, and in fact, and I'll explain a little bit about that because I want to include the route my healing took and I'll do that a bit later. I want to share a bit about my journey this time because I've experienced this a couple of times and leading up to the first year anniversary of the Mindfuckery podcast, I thought it might help with the things that worked for me and the things that didn't. How it felt, what was happening inside me as well as on the outside and it's really difficult to know where to start because these relationships aren't linear if your relationship was just breaking down you wouldn't be searching for answers you wouldn't turn into that detective you wouldn't be hacking into accounts to find out what was really going on relationships break down every day for various different reasons yep it might not be great it might not feel great but over time and with help, you're able to pick yourself up, maybe get a new haircut, maybe get a new wardrobe. But with an emotionally abusive partner, it's very different. And for me, the moment my ex walked out of that house, it was a silence that you could hear. There was peace that ran throughout that house, but it didn't last long, sadly. And actually, I don't know whether I was crazier before he left or after he left. And I'm going to actually drag you all the way back with me to 1999. I mean, I could go back further, 
but I just want to share with you where I came from and my experience because that should have given me the warnings that there was something wrong. And actually it did, but I overrode the red flags and there were many of those. I went through a metamorphosis a period of time before this, before this relationship, for this last relationship. In July 99, I had left my job as a manager of a call centre and I wanted to spend some time with my children. My youngest daughter was about to start school. Her older sister had started the year before and I'd missed so much of that first year. Her first assembly where she was an angel and I'd wanted to go in a bit later to work but they've refused me that time off. That had been like a catalyst for the next eight months leading up to me handing in my resignation. It brought up a lot of old wounds for me. When my son had first started school I missed some of those events for him. I couldn't always be at assemblies. There was uh, there was the day the childminder forgot to pick him up and the company that I worked for couldn't get hold of me. This And I t- had a total meltdown when I got home that night. This was like pre-mobile phones. I left in 99 to follow a spiritual journey. I trained as a Reiki practitioner and I did my, became Reiki master, Reiki master teacher at a later date. And I became a therapist in Indian head massage, in massage, in reflexology, did my anatomy and physiology. And I did some other um, body stuff as well. And then my marriage broke down and it all came to a head on a Friday, which resulted in me walking out quietly at 10 p.m. with three children to create some space. And over a period of time, as I started to sort my life out and I found somewhere to live and I sort of started to sort out finances, I was given the opportunity to train in something that's called past life energetics. So I was then working with clients healing their wounds, taking them into a hypnotic state, experiencing a past life, but actually taking this much further. This was going much deeper than just a past life experience. It was helping them understand and find the wounds that were affecting them in this life. And I'll talk a bit later about some of that as well. And it was helping them locate those wounds and remove them. And then I ended up back in corporate life. I went into sales, something that I'd done before the call centre and the birth of both my daughters and during that period I'd set up and run a children's party business which then supported me and it paid for my spiritual life coaching in 2010. So I had a lot of experience in certain areas which you'd think would help me anyway after another event which led me a a very similar thing led me to handing in my notice. I'd had enough one of those one I've done sort of moments it took me nine months and then I said right I'm finally done. And this was again involving my children where one of my daughters was really ill and she had to go into hospital and it was the new year and the first week we were told that we couldn't take that week off we were gonna there was going to be trainings and things like that and I phoned my my sales director and I said look this has happened my daughter's in hospital and I need to take some time off and he refused to let me have the time off and I'm just like what the is going on so um, I had to go in and sort I think it was a new laptop I had to go and pick up which I did and I and I sorted it out but it, that was the that was that moment that I then handed my notice in about nine months later I'd started to create a really nice life for uh, my family I had started to rebuild my life financially and emotionally I was doing a lot of work and I'd completed my virtual life coaching course I was working with clients I 
think I can't remember now whether I'd done my Reiki master at that point I'd done a couple of courses after that but I went on a firewalk and I met someone there and there seemed to be a connection and then over a period of time I did start to see red flags and this is why when I'm working with people I know that you might have overlooked them if you were in that relationship you might have written them off three times but I know working with multiple people that they have been overlooked they have seen the red flags and the attention and the being heard and noticed and seen in a way that nobody's ever done that before made you overlook them. There was something inside. And I am all about being honest, about having honest conversations with yourself because that's where the healing happens. So I saw the red flags. I know the games that they play as the master manipulators, how they get you sucked back in and how they turn you from, say, a relatively normal person to a crazed banshee. I overlooked a few of them and actually I tried to end that relationship early on but then within a couple of months of doing that I was fully hooked up and I was fully hooked into that relationship. There was that push-pull of emotions, there was a lot of triangulation going on, there was a lot of exposure of other people that were being dated at the same time as me. I was finding out all this information and rather than running away I'd been sucked into a point where I was then getting overprotective and the little boy who was so sorry who presented and said I don't want to do this again I want to change for you I was told he wanted to change for me he told me I don't want my old life I want a new one with you and I heard loads and loads of victim stories and of course they weren't I know that now but at the time I bought into that and part of me and the empath part of me wanted to dive in and heal because I knew how to do that and I recognised some of his wounds from other relationships. Anyway, a few years later we were married, I'd given up a lot of my old life. He would call me multiple times when I was working over a weekend running parties. He was cooking, what time would be would I be back? Despite me leaving the house saying last party finishes at four in blah wherever I was. So by the time I've loaded my car, I'll be back around five o'clock. I was told I didn't have a proper job and that I needed to get one. I was told my children were the issue. I was coerced financially. Could I pay the bills and the rent as his car was broken? It needed to go and be fixed. He needed to pay for that this month. And prior to us actually even getting married, when he moved in, he told me that he'd realised he hadn't been paying the rent at the property he was living in and he needed to clear that debt first. Never occurred to me that that could be a lie. Of course, I wanted to help him. I wanted us to be on a good financial footing and then things started to go very wrong after the wedding and as we were just celebrating our first I think it was just after we'd celebrated our first wedding anniversary I discovered some messages that had been sent months earlier so we hadn't even been married a year at this point and apparently they were a joke they were to a female friend telling her that she was the best woman the best lover and maybe I can't remember what the other one was best friend it might have been and how much he missed her blah 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 the irony was I was laying on a sunbed next to him when he was sending these messages. We got through those few months after that and then in the February my daughter was really ill and I was waiting to hear that evening if I needed to drive and get her from uni and we were supposed to be going out that evening. If he hadn't gone off in such a hurry and in a mood and waited just another 20 minutes I could have actually gone with him to that event. I'd also been doing some sales work for him and this was given to me and then taken away and then I would be given another project and then if there was nothing more and then each time they reduced the hourly rate and 
and I was really being financially coerced as I said I was forced at this point to take a job in a call centre and I will be really honest about it although I hated doing it it was me going back to a life I had before but I wasn't manager anymore I was like going in at entry level and it actually saved me it probably saved me for the years that I was there and going through and experiencing what I was going through oh the messages I found in the September and I managed to get this job and start in the October we'd planned the next year to go and spend the summer in Greece that where we'd been married but leading up to that point so between the February and us going away in the August July August I found his behavior was really erratic he kept disappearing he was getting really secretive we had really strange conversations I started to get really suspicious and he had history I discovered one afternoon that he was actually on a website messaging women and he just he denied it as I couldn't sleep that night I, I went downstairs and I said sat with my laptop trying to work out what he was the story that he was giving me he was saying that his data had been used it was an old account and somebody hacked it I was looking at this photo that he was telling me was an old photo of himself but my mind was spinning and I couldn't I was literally in overwhelm and he told me it was an old one but I it looked like the one that possibly I'd taken it looked like where we used to stay and he came down and he said to me I was really concerned but as he went back to bed and closed the bedroom door because I was in this account looking at it I've managed to follow a link I saw him actually send a message to a woman so I hadn't quite got over that and he'd planned a week and I think this might have been planned before I can't remember but he'd he needed some time on his uh, on his own to find himself and he'd newly bought a motorbike and the reality was that he went over on the ferry to France and he was supposed to be there traveling around France maybe going to Switzerland or Italy and then he he was going to come back. The reality was that he went over and he either spent a couple of hours over there or a day and where who he came back to I don't know but I do know that he spent the last night or two with this best friend that he'd been messaging. I didn't sleep for weeks, it might have been months, it could have even been years. Nothing made sense, my mind was scrambled. We had been put in contact with a couples therapist. I mean, bearing in mind we've only been married, hadn't even been married at that point two years and we're seeing a therapist uh, because apparently I had trust issues and it was affecting our relationship yes but I hadn't realized that it was his behavior that was causing the trust issues not my previous relationships as he told me he made comments that raised concern with the therapist and me he said something along the lines that in his next relationship he wasn't going to share as much of his past history as he'd shared with me and we both I raised it and she she turned around and said, yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. This sounds as though this relationship is over. And he was like, no, 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 I want to sort this out. But he clearly was planning his exit route. And for the year we'd been planning to go to Greece and we were going to spend a month there, but he didn't want to go with my daughters and they wanted to go. So it was agreed that I would go the week before. During that week, I had withdrawn from them. I didn't see them during the day. They had gone with their partners, but I was trying to work and to prove that I could re- create a business I was always busy doing nothing and I was startled by procrastination but it was during that time that my book Finding Lily fell out of me that was based on a true story of events from years and years before and it was writing that that I was able to see on paper the similarities I knew they were there I'd overridden that he told me he was nothing like my 
ex, perhaps I wanted to believe him, but here it was falling out of me. I could see it as I was writing down what was happening or writing this story out, I could see the likeness of these two people. So we get home from Greece after four weeks out there where we hardly spoke to each other. We didn't spend much time together. We had the most strangest weekend. It was the most bizarre behaviour, which actually ended it in him taking a, one of my cars which had been off the road for a while and putting a new battery in it and uh, it hadn't got any road tax or I don't think it had an MOT and actually taking it and driving over to see a friend of his well his best friend that he hadn't seen for a month he was behaving really bizarrely and at one point we had to take his car to the garage which was 30 miles away and we had been invited to a party and he refused to go which was really sad and then a few days later he left I might have been a week later actually. Again, he took my untaxed, un-MOT car and then, but this time he went and dumped it on a road and I didn't realise that he'd done this and uh, I had to get one of my daughters to come with me to go and get it and take it off the road because I didn't want to be fined. And then over the weekend he left and I could breathe again and I had not felt that much peace since we'd met. And then the game started. He didn't want me going through this alone. He, We were meant to be together. He wanted to help me. These were the messages. Initially he'd blocked me on social media and then he removed that. But I was doing my own no contact and not stalking. And then a few months later over Christmas, he'd gone away with his best friend who was more like a sister to him. And someone phoned me and said, have you seen the video that he's put up on Facebook? I was trying to completely remove anything from my life. And I was feeling so much better emotionally by doing that. Then months later, we started talking about divorce and how we were going to sort that out. We weren't even talking. It was via email message. And then one day I spoke to him, we were going backwards and forwards and getting nowhere and that I realised was a big mistake. I thought I was strong enough. He knew the buttons that he had to press and I was in pieces. But the real healing was happening when I was no contact with him. And I wrote in my book, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse, that after he left, it wasn't more than about six or eight weeks, he contacted me. Now, I'd been out the evening before with some friends. One of them had tagged me in a photo and he contacted me and said, oh, I'm just driving over and I'm just reminiscing about our life and how happy we were together and and I fell for that one I didn't realize at the time it was hoovering I rearranged a lunch with friends I made that a little bit later and I was taking all the blame I sat there and said I fully understood and I got it and I've realized now and he was saying to me how nice it was to see the house tidy and this still makes me laugh and cry at the same time because before this man gate crashed into my life I had a fabulous routine and then he arrived he handed me all his financial wounds and pushing me into work being at work all the time he traumatized me around money if I did any housework work which I had formulated a system that I did on a Friday always on a Friday morning I worked from one bathroom or an ensuite through the top of the house and then through downstairs and then from there I would set up I get ready for my parties that would be happening over the weekend but he was always asking me if I did any housework which as I said always did on a Friday why I wasn't working why I wasn't and invoicing and then he had the balls to say that my house was untidy basically I was required to work
work when I was awake and when I wasn't working I had to be entertaining him and his and the victim that he played so the first thing is no contact that really really worked for me because I was able to change everything I didn't have that stuff going on in my head the rumination I also didn't recognize the person he presented to me when we met up a few times because he was a new person and this new person this new persona this is a big one it was a big takeaway it took me a few years to get this one the persona that he created had been created for the new person that was in his life it wasn't created for me but that new persona turned me into a mess it turned me into a wreck and this is why staying away from him having no contact whether it was actually meeting up which we had to do a couple of times but there were other things that we did via whatsapp or via text messaging or emailing when there was nothing going on my life was so much better and I have spoken many times about not recognizing that person and I remember and I've also described myself as looking in the mirror and not recognizing myself and I decided at some point I can't remember I think it was really early on that I was going to become my very own project for healing I was going to witness and I was going to experience everything to every on every level something that I had noticed many many years before any of this had happened before I'd even met him was that allowing your emotions to flow was a release so that was if you were going to cry you cried it out by stopping yourself crying you weren't releasing all the emotions you were just covering them up dumbing them down and I'd written about it quite a few times in various different ways it might have been blogs or newsletters about how I'd watched a tv newsreel it was on a car bomb I can't remember where it was but there I watched these mothers these wives these sisters these daughters of men that had been blown up in a car bomb and the effects of the surrounding areas and they weeped in the streets and as I said it was on the news and I watched these women really lean into this pain and they allowed the screams to come out their tears to flow they sobbed deeply when I first saw it I was quite horrified at what I was watching and then over the years I started to realize that is how you heal that is where the magic is that's where the magic happens when you don't get closure when closure is denied there's always a reason and that is because of the reactions that you will have this is the food of the master manipulator by not breaking these bonds you're always there picking up the pieces and it's Iris in the holiday and she says but he needs me and Miles replies which is great for him but sucks for you when you're not allowed closure it keeps you attached to that fake future that you created it keeps you attached to the fake persona the person they created for you based on the information you gave you believe this is all your fault and I've also said I put my hands up actually and I take responsibility for the role that I played I wasn't as whole as I thought I was this relationship clearly showed that this relationship was was amazing but not for the way that it was portrayed to the outside people looking in they saw this facade of what a great life I was living the reality on the other side was it was horrific but where the relationship was 
was amazing was it allowed me to heal on such a deep level. It allowed me to look at other relationships. It gave me information that I hadn't had before. During all of my healing and the mentalities that I'd learned and I'd been doing, it gave me a different insight, looking at it from a different perspective. And I was able to look at other relationships, short ones, long ones, different personality traits of the people around me, the friendships. And as I said, these relationships aren't linear and neither is the healing. Healing comes from grieving. And this can be, I've written, I've got a course on this, grieving the past, the present and the future. The past was the lies that was the persona they created. The Where you are now, the present part is you're in a, a state that you would never believe that you would ever be in. You weren't promised this. This isn't a life you thought you would be living. This pain is real. It's like somebody's kicked the stuffing out of you. And then you're grieving the future as well because you were promised something. And that was sprinkled with some of your ideals, what you wanted, but the majority of it would have been theirs. Grief is a huge part. I recorded a video on Saturday and that was a meditation actually healing the wounds of abandonment of shame and of betrayal. I heard about those from Mario Martinez quite a few years ago. I've listened to his book so many times and each time I hear something different. But he talks about these wounds of abandonment, wounds of shame. I think initially I heard it as guilt and I spoke about it as guilt, but it is betrayal. And I was looking up something and I came across one of his videos from quite a few years ago and he was, it looked like he was doing a talk with Carolyn Mice or a workshop or something. And he was talking about the wounded hero and he was talking about one wanting to learn from the wound. And that has really been my life for the last 21 years. I want to learn. I want to learn about these wounds. About nine or 10 years ago, I was working with wounds from us ancestors. It was healing. I still do some of that work as well. I believe those of us that want to learn from our wounds are here to do that. And they're here to change how they are carried on through our ancestral line. And in, I can't remember which book it is. I have spoken about this before. Carolyn Mice has a book and she talks about woundology and she describes an old paradigm of an eye for an eye. And she says how outdated it is. You know, I have to agree, you know, getting back at someone because of what they've done for you. Actually, for me, this is more about looking in and how I can change that. I know the pain that drives these emotions, the hormones that drive these emotions. And said they are real. It feels like you've been stabbed. It feels like you've been kicked in the stomach, in the chest. It hurts. And it's some of these wounds that are running, or I discovered that were running my life at the time. And some of them were like, what's wrong with me? And there was another one, which was, I'm going to show you and very child-led and I did a few years ago I can't think what uh, when that was it might be in 2018 I did some videos on YouTube around the questions that you might be asking I think there's about seven or eight of them and I'll put a link to some of them into the description over the years I'd done quite a lot of healing but they were like a few layers left and I'm not saying that I'm fully healed but I'm definitely a better version than I was going into this even into this relationship I'm hoping I'm a better version than I was. One of my favourite quotes that I heard was, when you go into a narcissistic relationship, you come out with a degree in psychology. I'm going to share maybe some more tools next week, but one of the final ones that, and I haven't shared this for ages, was 
so the story around this was one evening my ex walked into the kitchen I can't remember where he'd said he'd been he'd been going out a lot at that time and he knew how easy it was to trigger me how to get a reaction I might burst into tears or I was all over the place and this is why I said I, I don't know which was worse when was I crazier in the relationship than I was after the relationship I really don't know anyway he knew how to trigger me I knew how important it was to be in control of my emotions how to stabilize and balance them within my body and and I've been doing that and I've been doing it I don't know two decades but I was able to do that and I knew on some level he was triggering me I didn't understand that he was doing it on purpose I don't think I did but I used to be able to stop myself I used to breathe center ground really quickly and center myself and take control and he said to me we think you're bipolar and that was one statement it took years for me to recover from that and I mean years it might have been six and I analysed it and I overanalyzed it. I spoke to my counsellor and actually I had two at the time and they were both bemused. I was, they were bemused by the bipolar. The bit I hung on to and went over and over was the we. And I was asking, who's we? His language had changed and uh, there were various different people that he was talking about that he'd met. Were they relevant or not? I don't know. I can't remember at the time whether I'd found out before this happened or after this happened but he'd been away with work that's what he told me and he had to stay overnight weirdly it was a Friday night he was doing something I can't remember now and then I found out that he'd actually left the hotel early and he told the hotel he had an emergency at home but he didn't come back to my home so the, the part that I spoke to the therapist about was the bipolar part and they were bemused it took me as I said six years to realize that most of the words that came out of his mouth were lies and yet I was holding on to these words as if they were the truth I went crazy I honestly went crazy but the moment I realized that a lot of the stuff he said was a lie and I think the statement was along the lines of I'm holding this statement as if it's the truth but most of the things he told me are lies so why am I holding on to this as if it was the truth and it just went poof like that and that was gone and I didn't ruminate over that anymore as I said I'm going to I will share a bit more this isn't the first relationship I've experienced and I was in a, a physically abusive relationship really early on when I was a lot younger I don't know that I'll share much about that but I will share perhaps next week I might talk about the nightmares that had me screaming and fighting for my life and how I dealt with those and some of the other emotions and some of the other things that I found really 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 helpful with my healing. I wasn't intending this podcast to be as long as this. I was going. I thought I was going to do like a little ten-minute podcast. Anyway, I'm sorry if it's. I hope it hasn't triggered you. If it has, please reach out. As said, I've got some really exciting stuff going on over the next few weeks and month, and I will start sharing with those. But I thought this is a really good lead up to it. And as always, I'm sending you loads and loads of love until next time.